it's a book where we are today going on a quest into 2024, looking at what God has for us. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 24 is our key verse. And it says, how? How can anyone discover what life means? And so over this eight-week summer series, we're joining the author on a quest for meaning in our own lives. Did you know that uh, God wants to create a happy new you in 2024? In fact, if you uh, don't realise it, scientists have recently discovered that 98% of the atoms that you actually have in your body today were not there 365 days ago. So you are literally a new person starting a new year. But what about spiritually? Are you ready to go on a quest spiritually with God into 2024? So last week we ended 2023 on our quest for happiness. Today as we commence 2024, the title of the second sermon in our series, The Quest for Eternity! Like the dramatic way that I did that? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Very famous chapter. Many of you would know it. Uh, it's all about time. It's all about our time here and God's timing for our lives here and in eternity. Time is a word that's used in Ecclesiastes 3, 32 times. How many of you took the time a week ago to celebrate the new year? How many of you stayed up till midnight? You can see we've got an old church, can't you? Hey? Mid, mid, mid what? How many of you took the time to see the fireworks in for the new year? You know, fireworks are actually 2,000 years old. They were created by the Chinese. And the whole idea of the bang and the pop and the bright lights is all about warding off evil spirits as you journey into the future. Did you uh, sing the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day song, Old Lang Syne? It's a song that means time's gone by or time past. It's actually a Scottish poem by Robert Burns, 1788, and it's put to a, a well-known sort of uh, Scottish folk song. But it's one of those funny songs, isn't it? Most people think it's old lang syne, whereas it's old lang syne. It's uh, one of those songs that uh, when you start to get into it, you realise you don't know the words. I think it's the most famous song that we like to sing on New Year's Eve, but nobody knows the words. We begin by, an old lang syne. Well, Ecclesiastes 3 is another very famous 
poem. It was written around 950 BC. And it signals today the entering into a new year and a new season of our lives. And so today we're going to learn from the Lord in this new season. It's going to bring changes. It's going to bring challenges. But it's also coming with God's certainties. That's our three points if you take notes this morning. So firstly, let's have a look. A new season brings changes. Every time I was thinking of the word season this week, I uh, reflected back to that old 1965 song. Hold your horses. Just hold your horses. You know it, don't you? Because you're all old enough to know it. I don't know if I'm having some age sort of problems this morning, uh, John, or not. It's a song called Turn, 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 written by Pete Seeger and the Birds, 1965, and it's taken directly out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's have a little listen to it now. Thanks, Carly. It's directly out of scripture and I see that not many of you know Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's actually uh, 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 the only bit that he didn't uh, uh, plagiarise from uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, a time for peace, and then he's added in those six words, I swear it's not too late. Because of that, 45% of the royalties from this song are donated to the Israeli Committee Against House Demolitions. In Seeger's own words, he says, I did write the music and I did write just those six words. Everything else is directly out of Ecclesiastes 3. And in verse 1, we're told, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And so time... Time is simply the stuff that our lives are made up of. You see, we go through all of these different seasons in life. And from verses 2 through to 8, Ecclesiastes talks there. Is this mic loud? Could you switch that down, Phil, please? If I can hear myself, it must be quite loud. He gives us 28 different seasons in our lives. 14 of them are positive seasons and 14 of them are negative seasons. But that's the way the world is, isn't it? Yeah? One minute the world will be very loving to you and then the next minute very hateful. One minute it's kind, next minute it's unkind. One minute it seems very fair what's going on in the world. No, 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 it's a bit unfair. But you know, all of those seasons actually have shaped and formed you into the person you are today. But here's the point. All of God's seasons are out of our control. All of the seasons that we experience are out of our control, but nothing in God's sovereign ability is beyond his control. Nothing happens to us by accident. 
everything is on his timetable. Some of you have uh, welcomed in new family members in the season of 2023. Some of you have said goodbye to other family members in a different season. Some of you uprooted your life somewhere and planted it here at the Bendigo Church of Christ and thank you for doing that. Some of you finished relationships and started new ones. Some of you have uh, finished school and started jobs. Some of you have changed jobs. Some of you are living here today, but maybe in a few months' time you'll be living somewhere else. We've got all of these seasons that happen in our lives. I looked in the mirror and thought, I'm in the grey-haired season. There's been a few more grey... Yeah, John, you're in the bald season. Bald is in, isn't it? Bald is a thing. You can be certain, though, that there's going to be more changes as we forge forward into 2024. In the beginning there, in verse 2, it says there, there is a time to be born and a time to die. And they are sort of like brackets, aren't they, of our lives. So in between the time of you being born and the time of you departing this world happens all of these 28 different seasons. And you live out what I call the dash. We uh, drove down to Cranbourne on Friday. We're at the cemetery. And as I looked on the tombstone, there's the date of someone's birth and the date of their passing. And in between is just this dash. And this dash sort of symbolises all of the seasons that they went through from beginning to end. But have you ever noticed, when you're in the positive seasons of life, you're feeling pretty good. But when you hit those negative seasons, why, why, God, why is this happening to me? We do it, don't we? We like the positive seasons. They feel good, but we're against the negative but there's a biblical answer to it. God's timing is sovereign. It simply means that whatever happens, God is in control. You know, there is not one uh, situation in Scripture that is ever called a coincidence. Actually, the word coincidence doesn't actually appear in the Hebrew language. How about your life? Do you ever think to yourself, oh boy, that was a coincidence? Oh, that was lucky, the way that worked out for me. Of course, as Christians, we don't believe in luck, do we? We believe in the providence, the providence of God for all things in life. It simply is a word, providence, that means that God is over. He watches over the affairs of our lives. So you can trust the fact that just as clearly God saw everything that was going to happen in 2023, he looks down through the corridor of time and he knows exactly what is coming in 2024. So again in Ecclesiastes, we look there at verse 1 of chapter 3 and it says there is an appointed time for everything. Yeah, not for most things, not for convenient things, not for only the happy things, there is an appointed time on God's timetable for everything. God is providentially in control of everything. As Sharon and I were driving down to Cranbourne, uh, I was in the driver's seat. I was in control. 
And I thought, it's a good illustration for today. Sharon was in the passenger seat. When I'm in control of the car, I choose the speed. Well, the government chooses the speed. And I choose the direction. Sharon can look over and she can maybe make some suggestions to me about the speed and direction, uh, but she doesn't have control. I do. Sharon's got control of other things, though, hasn't she? In the passenger seat, Sharon controls the air conditioning, she controls the radio, uh, she can even go on her phone and she can look out the window at the view, but I am in control of the direction. And that's the way it is in the providence of God. God is supposed to be in the driver's seat of our lives. We are in control of certain things, but we're not in control of the overarching way that God wants our direction to go. So we don't know what the future holds. But the great thing is we can trust in the one who holds and controls our future. Because God's not bound by time. You and I are bound by time, aren't we, yeah? My wife's got the calendar up, yeah? And there are things written in that calendar, and when they're written in her calendar, they are etched in stone. They are going to come about. We are controlled by the clock, aren't we, yeah? We start church at 10 o'clock. You know that you're supposed to be here then. But God, God lives outside of time and space. He actually controls time and isn't bound by it. So he says there's an appointed time for Everything. Everything happens on his timetable. Two uh, Greek words for time. One of them is a chronos. That's where we get the word chronological order of things in this timeline of life. It's where we get the word clock. Yeah, And of course, we are bound by that. The seconds that make up the minutes, that make up the hours, that make up the days, that make up the weeks, that make up the months, that make up the years, that make up our lives. That's how we rock and roll, isn't it? But God's not. There's a different word. It's kairos. And God is more not about the time, but it's all about God's timing of events in our lives. So according to God's providential timing, there are seasons to come. And he will guide and direct those seasons. Folks, life's unpredictable, isn't it? Yeah. Sadly, many people are anxious today about many, many things. They're anxious about climate change and wars and the economy and health and family. But you know, I've actually come to believe that uh, ignorance is bliss. Yeah? I mean, you think about it. You think about if you knew what was going to happen tomorrow and next week and the end of this year and five years from now, you wouldn't get out of bed, would you? Yeah? So it's God in his providence, he's hidden the future from us so that we might just be compelled to trust in him wholeheartedly for every moment that he brings. We live in the grace of God. And in Hebrews 4, 16, it tells us, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus, if he's your Lord and Saviour, he's your high priest, then simply he will take you into the very throne room of God. When you have a need this year, you know that you can bring it before the Lord and he can help you. So Jesus says this in Matthew 6.34. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. That's how he wants you to face the future of 2024. 
The future could be a little bit overwhelming, couldn't it, if you could see that far ahead. So God's just given you a 24-hour segment upon which to live. So there's two days you should never worry about. Yes? Don't worry about yesterday. Yes? Yesterday is history. Yes? And don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is a mystery. You don't know what's going to happen. But today, live in today. That is God's gift of life to you. It's why he calls it the present. You see, by worrying about tomorrow's problems, you don't open up the gift of today. You don't enjoy the blessings of what he has for you today. So you might actually be worried about a day that God hasn't even ordained for your life. And sadly, some of you have already started to worry. What do you mean by that? Folks, life is brief. Time is too short to waste on tomorrow. We need to invest it in today. That doesn't mean you don't plan for your tomorrows, but you don't worry about tomorrow. You plan yeah, for tomorrow, but you live in the present today. And whatever happens, yeah, you trust in the Lord. And whatever it is, you take it to him in prayer. So next, in the new season, it's going to bring some challenges. We've got changes that will happen. We've got challenges. Verses 9 and 10. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. And again, he's looking at it from a worldly perspective, yeah? It's pointless. It's meaningless. It's all pessimistic. Verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. So as we get ready for the seasons to change, the simple advice here is don't worry, be happy. And another little song there for you. We're not going to play that song. <laughs> so the way to go through 2024 is be happy and do good. Because you see, while you're living in the goodness of God, that's where you will be happiest. God has actually created us for good works to do in 2024. So here's the principle. Every time you can do something good, you should. What have you been putting off? What are the things that you've put off in 2023 that you could be investing in doing some good things in other people's lives? You know, God's done good things in our lives, hasn't he? You know, in Ephesians uh, 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, and God don't make no junk. Okay, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Unfortunately, uh, when we uh, talk about doing good works, we quite often find people run like crazy because they don't actually want to do the good works of God. They think to be happy in their own lives, they've got their own plans and purposes. But it's only as you do the good works that God is providing you find that fulfillment. So understand faith. You know, so often in our faith, we think our faith moves God to do what we want to do. No, no, no. Faith actually moves our life into a position for God to move through our good works. Good works are always prepared by God. So if you want to be happy, 
with the time you've got. Ask God about those works. Good, it means profitable to benefit other people. Work, it reminds us that it requires efforts to think about other people. You know the most important person in the world? Me, myself, I. Most of us have that central focus, don't we? God wants us to look beyond ourselves. Let me say this. Good works are not good deeds, yeah? You know, uh, so often we can think, oh, I'll do a good deed for someone. No, no, no. Good works are God-ordained, Holy Spirit-led works that he has prepared for you to do. So at the start of every day, you should uh, think to yourself, Lord, what have you prepared? Works that only you can do, that he has prepared in your life to do for others. And get involved in that. At the end of every day, you should ask yourself, how much time did I spend doing my works, what I want, how I want to live, and how much time did I spend in the good works that God has prepared for me? In Colossians uh, 3, verse 23, we're told, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And then you'll be happy. You see, if you're not happy in your toil, it's probably because you are doing what you want to do, not what God has ordained for you to do. In Galatians 6, verse 10, Therefore, as opportunity, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of God. Goodness. See, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Yeah? It's an opportunity. That's the Greek word again, kairos. And it means there, as you have time, do good to others. Folks, the whole point is that we should be making the time, looking for the opportunities to do good to people in the family of God. So one day God's going to evaluate your life. He's going to look at what you did with the time that you had, your own choices and the things that you are under control of. And he's also going to look at what you did with the responsibility of the time that he gave you. Did you accept both the good and the bad parts of his plan? Did you affirm your faith when things seemed confusing? Did you invest time in the good of others? Did you enjoy and appreciate everything that God gave in the different seasons? Or were you too busy complaining about how good other people's lives are? So in the new season, it's going to bring changes. It is going to bring challenges. And finally, the new season brings certainty. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. That word beautiful, it simply means appropriate. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is appropriate, but in its time, yeah? So if something in your life isn't beautiful right now, don't worry. The good news is God is not finished with you yet. It says he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. C.S. Lewis put it this way. If I find my... Sorry, if I find in myself a desire that this world cannot fulfill, the most probable explanation is that it was made for another world. 
That's a logical conclusion, isn't it? If I'm not satisfied with the things that I see in my life right now, if I look at everything in the world seems dark and dreary, maybe it's because there is something brighter and better beyond what I'm seeing right now. So understand, time is given to us. The time that we have now, it's all about preparation for eternity. And if you don't live with eternity in your heart, then you'll look like Solomon and go, what's the point of this? And they go from this life into that hole. It's all meaningless. But God has set eternity in our hearts. Eternity. It's uh, not just a ceaseless time because eternity is not the subject of time. Eternity transcends time. God is eternal. So everything here is temporary, yeah? But with God, it is eternal. So understand, time is given to us now, but we're not going to always be in this time. So God's created this inborn desire, hasn't he? Yeah, do you ever find that? Remember last week I said, there's got to be more to life than this. You know, uh, when your dog's staring out the window, it's not thinking to itself, there's got to be more to life than this. It's actually thinking to himself, how do I get that cat across the road? Isn't it? You see, it's only human beings that think outside of themselves, that think beyond, that think of the future, that look forward to more than this. God has set this longing for eternity in our hearts. But we have a limited perspective, don't we? It says there, we can't fathom it. So there's something in our hearts that says there's got to be more, but there's something in our heads that says but I can't work it out because we're not God. And so we've got to understand that while our brains aren't big enough to handle God's plans, as we go through difficult times, as, as you might even be in a painful time right now in your life, understand that in the painful process, God is going to create a finished product. We see the, uh, the ugliness of our lives wrapped up in the cocoon but Christ sees us breaking free one day to that beautiful butterfly. We look at the external. Christ is looking at the eternal. We look at the here and now, yeah? But God looks at the long-term project that he's actually doing in our lives. So you accept there's going to be good, there's going to be bad, but everything will be appropriate when God is finished. And so finally... I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. So everything here is temporary. That's why we need to invest in eternity. How do you invest in eternity? I just told you. Do good to those in the family of God. Because every time we do good for someone here in this room, yeah, it's an investment in their eternal lives. God does this so that people will revere him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before. And God will call the past into account. So one day you and I, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of the time, the non-refundable, non-renewable time that God has given to us. 
And so our work on earth is only temporary, but God's work in us is eternal. So we live for eternity. We live in, in an eternal state of trusting that there is more beyond this life. John Blanchard, he explained it this way. The moment a man is born, he begins to die. And that death could come at any time. By design, disease, disaster or decay. Man is not here to stay, he is here to go. God has set eternity in our hearts. If you watch the fireworks from a Sydney, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, you might remember back to when we ticked over into the 21st century. And the final word that appeared on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, it's a word that just, just resonates, just burns. So, you know, if you're a Christian here today, that, it just echoes, doesn't it, in your spirits. That word was written on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, uh, January 1, 2000. But it was a word that was written back in 1932. Arthur Malcolm Stace, 14th of November. At that point in his life, he was down. I think he was homeless. He was a, a drunk. And he staggered in one night uh, to the Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle. The late uh, John Ridley was preaching. His message was the echoes of eternity. And he asked the congregation, where will you spend eternity? Eternity, eternity. Stace walked out and he said the word eternity was just ringing in his heart. He felt this overwhelming urge from the Lord to write eternity. He bent down on the road there and he pulled out a piece of chalk and he wrote the word. And it's been called a one-word sermon that was spoken in chalk on the streets of Sydney over half a million times. And the question that we want to make sure we know the answer to is where will you spend eternity? God has placed eternity in our hearts. So as we wrap up this morning, we're going to step into the new year. We've got to remember that God is a God of new beginnings. He's the author of our story. He is the driver of our destiny in 2024. He's the creator of every season. He holds our future in his hands in 2024. No matter what the new year brings in, we know the goodness of God. We know his providence. We live as people of faith who trust him. No matter what season he brings this year. You know, we think about the seasons that God has created. We know that the sun sits in the centre. And we know that the earth revolves and each uh, uh, quarter there is a new season that it brings. And you and I, we've got to make sure that our lives this year revolve around God's son, Jesus Christ. Because that is the assurance that we have. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, at the end of uh, our message each week through January, we are uh, concluding with communion together. If you'd like to prepare your cups. Eternity! God has set eternity in the hearts 
of every human. Augustine declared that our heart is restless until it finds rest in God. In Greek uh, mythology, they used to believe, of course, that the earth was flat. And if you went too far off the Straits of Gibraltar, you would actually go off the edge of the world. They believed in mythology that there was the statue of Hercules out there. And written across it in Latin was non plus ultra. It means no more beyond. And people were terrified to go beyond that particular point. But then there was a young man, his name was Christopher Columbus. And he went beyond that place where they said no one else could go. And he came back and told us, plus ultra, there is more beyond. They built this wonderful statue to him in Spain. And you can see there's a lion in the statue, yes? And the lion is there because they believe that this young man had the courage of a lion to go where no one had gone before. And you can see the lion is clawing there the word non to just leave plus ultra. He discovered there is more beyond. And you know, I did a funeral on Friday and I'm always amazed and perplexed at the hopelessness as people look at the finality, the permanence of death. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for our sins, to set us free to eternity in our hearts. He was placed in a tomb Airless. But three days later, he rose from the grave. He walked the earth for 40 days. He appeared to over 500 people. And from that grave, it shouted out, More beyond. Jesus Christ is from the tribe of the Lion of Judah. And like that lion in the monument... Christ is the one who tears away the fear of the grave and death. Out of the tomb, he declares to us today, plus ultra, there is more beyond this world. God has set eternity in our hearts because he wants us to live with him in eternity through our faith in Jesus Christ. So as you take the bread today, let me just invite you, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't try to lean on your own understandings in 2024. Remember the providence of God. He is in control. He knows what he's doing in your life through each and every season. Trust him in those seasons of life. Don't worry, be happy. Let's eat together. I'll give you a moment to reflect on the word God's spoken into your spirit today.
Would you please stand with me? As we drink of the cup today, we remember that Jesus defeated death on the cross, that we live our lives in victory over the grave. And today we acknowledge he has set eternity in our hearts. Let's drink to eternity with Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, we do thank you. We thank you for the affirmation of your word. We thank you for our spirits that knows the truth. Jesus, you've defeated the grave. You've risen to new life and you are coming back again that we might be with you for life and life eternal. Not a quantity of time, but a quality of life that far outstrips anything that we would ever face in this world. God, I pray that as we think on your word today, that we do have the courage of the lion of the tribe of Judah to step forth into the unknown, knowing that you are in the driver's seat for us and that you know the destination and you want us to enjoy with happy hearts the journey that waits ahead in 2024. We thank you we don't go it alone, that we're covered with brothers and sisters in Christ with us here today and that we can support and encourage and do good to one another as we wait, Lord God, on your return. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Thank you, Andrew.